Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Good afternoon. (laughs) I'm Amanda Freitag, filling in for Jason Colucci on the morning after. And I couldn't be more excited to be here today with my amazing guests. I have Chef Elizabeth Faulkner, Chef Nancy Olson, Chef Vesa, and Rick from the Mass Brothers. You guys, this is a sweet and salty crowd right here. (laughs) Sweet, savory, and there's a lot of good stuff going on. We're not going to have enough time to talk about everything I want to talk about. A little spicy. Oh, it's a little spicy. I'm adding some spice here today. Um, But first, this is a great combination because Elizabeth and I were host and guest on radio and then Elizabeth interviewed these guys, the Mass Brothers on radio as well. So we're all familiar with each other and Nancy and I have worked together on a little pop-up scenario. So we're all here. We're all happy to be here. We all have cocktails, I think. (laughs) I think we're missing one. Um, But my first introduction goes to Elizabeth and I just want to say welcome to Brooklyn. Thank you, thank you. Welcome in general because you're transplanted from the West Coast to here and I want everybody to know who's listening that she's opening a restaurant very shortly. She's awfully calm for the fact that she's opening a restaurant. <laughs> I always have that calm look. That's not really what's going on on the inside. Uh, called Crescendo and just tell us a little bit about it and just tell us a little bit about your, yeah, yeah. your transplant so everybody knows. Well, you know, I, I cooked in San Francisco for the last 23 years. I've been in love with New York my whole life. I've always wanted to live out here. I kind of had a midlife crisis and I'm like, okay, time to move to New York. Brooklyn is perfect. I love it. It's just like there's so much cool food stuff going on here and so much attention to detail and in all the product and, and everything that's around here. And, um, and it's a good challenge and I have a great business partner, Nancy Puglisi, and uh, another partner, Darren Crawford, who's our bar manager, and we're opening up a restaurant called Crescendo with a K, because it's Brooklyn, uh, on Atlantic between Bond and Hoyt, and it's definitely Southern Italian-inspired. Um, I don't have an Italian bone in my body that I know of, but um, I love the food so much, and I'm just I'm so excited about cooking Neapolitan pizza and lots of pastas, and, and a lot of the history of um, Sicilian people in in New York is it is right in that area yeah. in Brooklyn that I'm going into so I just am paying homage to to all the good food stuff that came from from that region that comes from that region so have you been absorbing some of that Brooklyn heritage I mean what have you seen learned I mean now you're living in it you're absorbing it now and this is before you're open while you can still have a life <laughs> I know. what are you seeing in your in your neighborhood well, it's cool because there's, I mean, Brooklyn has a lot of old restaurants that have been around for forever. I went to Fernando's Focaccia the other night. Um, it opened in 1904. Wow. I mean, like that doesn't even really exist in San Francisco because of that big earthquake that happened 100 <laughs> years ago. And um, That doesn't happen here, knock on wood. Right. And uh, I, I, I've heard about a lot of really cool old places. I've, I'm also seeing all, a lot of the modern I don't mean modernism in food, but just the the newer restaurants and the, and the attention to produce and what's local and farm to table stuff. And I think that people are just so excited about you know sustainability and and amazing product that we can take care of our planet with. And that and that happens to be a big focus in Brooklyn. And I and that's very exciting. That's very much like the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, I think well, we were just talking about it because we just had brunch, and one of our brunch guests said to us, "Aren't you going to miss the produce?" On the West Coast, and 
I'm sure you haven't found out yet, but in winter, <laughs> I moved here in the summertime, so yes. I'm, I'm already, you know, I'm like, oh, why? There's who cares? There's tomatoes, there's eggplant galore, and there's those little Cape gooseberries and um, lots of gooseberries. And and what I like actually is the difference that like I never get to have currants, black currants or red right. currants. Um, I mean, I can I can get them in the West Coast, but they don't really grow out there. So. I mean that's exciting, and yeah. um, and I know that the root vegetables are really good here. Like they're just it, they're hardier and better. Right. Um, so for me, it's exciting because it's like, well, I love California. I'm not knocking it right. at all, uh, and the produce. But it's like it's just different. It's a different region. I get to approach things differently. I want to eat differently here because yes. of the humidity, because of the heat right now, and then because of the winter time. It's interesting. So you're about yeah. to experience some seasons, <laughs> right? Real seasons, and that that's exciting for a Californian, really. I think so. I mean, and I know. Rick, you're, you grew up on the West Coast, is that true? Or you, I grew up in Iowa, in a tiny little t- in farm Iowa. town in Iowa. Yeah. Oh my goodness, so that's yeah. in the middle. Yeah. That is in the middle. It's yeah. a little cold there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we saw seasons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saw lots of seasons. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, I hope you brought your snow boots, or you're going to buy some. <laughs> I, I have some. I'm good. But the greatest thing, uh, I mean, I think about also having you guys here today, um, is just a sort of... It's all sort of product based in my mind, you know, and I know that's where you come from and Nancy and you guys, of course. And I think that's just this conversation that chefs and and food artisans are having right now is, is the product, you know, and that's what it starts with. And as you know, running a business is incredibly expensive. You know it, you know it. Um, But it's about making that choice, whether Mm -hmm. you're going to use that product or not. And, and the balance of, what you're going to highlight and what you're going to do to just make your business run. And I think that's sort of the non-glamorous behind the scenes of what happens, you know, and the choices you'll have to make. And will you be able to use Mass Brothers chocolate or will you have to choose something else because of a financial reason or will they work with you? You know, I think that's very interesting when you get to that business owner standpoint, you know, it's like as a young chef, you're like, why can't we just use all the best products? And it's like, you're not the one, you know, doing the bottom line at the end of the day. And I think that's something that a lot of consumers don't know about. And then when they're complaining about menu prices, why, you know? But don't you think, I mean, I feel like the public is a, a lot more educated because of the media attention that food has been getting over the past, I don't know, 10 years? I think that's what, if we're doing our jobs correctly, what yeah. we're trying to do. I mean, know? like, I feel like if I make a cannoli with Mass Brothers chocolate, you know, it's not, I, and I might make my tartufo that features chocolate, it's, it's going to be a seasonal thing, so it might have a lot of chocolate at some point, and, and for me, it's like, that's a selling point and also it's just really good product so I mean right. I want to put it on there and I know that people are going to respond to it because they're like oh I know that or I've heard of that or um, I, I know that's really good quality yeah. so I'm going to pay you know it's going to be more than the, the corner bakery that has cannoli because exactly. it's in a restaurant setting sure but it's also got really good product in it really good you know ricotta and really good chocolate yeah really good pistachios yeah, and as Nancy knows, I mean, in a, in a larger restaurant, those choices are not just made within the kitchen. I mean, you make them with your other chefs. And Absolutely. Do you... Actually, I have a question for you guys. I don't know if you want to get a little closer to the mic. Okay. Do you have purchasers? Uh, um, Nancy Olson, pastry chef, <laughs> Gramercy Tavern, <laughs> Union Square Hospitality Group. Thank you for being here. I'm sorry I'm throwing questions you. out to everybody because I think it relates to all of us. I think it's really important to me to see it from many different... Uh, sides of the of the business absolutely and um, for me it comes from a lot of different sides as well I mean within our, our company you know square hospitality group we have somebody who does head up purchasing right and he helps to try and make us more aware of some of these great products that are out there and that's really uh, how I use him a- as because um, when Danny first started opening restaurants he decided never to dictate 
who buys what because right. then each restaurant would cease to be unique. Right. So um, Gramercy Tavern has its own purchasing power. And then within Gramercy Tavern, I mean, as a pastry chef, I get to choose what I want. Right. Um, Mike Anthony gets to choose what he wants. And, you know, and that's very different from great. the other restaurants in your group as well. Like you guys obviously will share information, but Absolutely. you're keeping it very different. Absolutely, because we each have our unique tastes and our each our restaurant is very unique and we try and showcase different things and it gives us the opportunity to grow as chefs as well. You know, yeah. maybe you start out being loyal to a certain product or and then you can kind of grow and figure out wow, what's out there and there's always something new. So, well, that, cool. that was going to be one of my questions to you, and anybody can jump in on this, too. And I think it's probably different for you, Rick, and, and Vesa. But what keeps you inspired? Now, you've been at Gramercy Tavern for... Six years. Six years. Yeah. Okay. That's a long time in the chef world. It is. <laughs> How do you stay inspired? I mean, do you head out to little boroughs? Do you travel? Do you find artisans that keep you inspired, or does it come to you? Um, I guess a little bit of everything and really on a daily basis my staff keeps me inspired I've got a pastry team of 12 people which is a a lot for a pastry kitchen but we do about 400 desserts a day so and they're all young and really excited about things they're all coming back from their weekends guess where I guess what I had and so you don't have to go out I mean you know I can go out too but man they just come back and their enthusiasm for it's so amazing and it keeps them excited about working with me and if we can have this dialogue about wow what else is out there right you know it's really cool I think that's great and I think it's hard for us maybe at this level to get excited about anything you know unless it is brought to us and it's in in a certain realm it's like look at this they are really doing it right you know and when somebody brings it to you and you're like well I thought about going to check that out but it seemed like what everybody else was doing you know there's so many tiny little shops and so many places that you know maybe they get pressed maybe you miss the day they got pressed or maybe and to have all these other young people going out scouting on these missions excited about it just have them come back and report and it's really cool now on the flip side how do you encourage everybody without squashing their creativity if you can't use their ideas well, I mean, that is one thing. I, I, we talk about their ideas because we're excited about it. Right. And I tell them one day, when you get to be the chef, <laughs> you get to use whatever ideas you want. But here, we got to have one leader. <laughs> and it's me. So That's the hard um, part. I really do. I've, I've experienced that. I don't know, Elizabeth, if you have. I mean, you guys have a small team at the Mass Brothers. But, you know, it's like you want your team to have this high energy of creativity. But you can't use it all because then it's chaos. It is. You know, and it's... Well, everything needs editing process, you know? And I think that's what, when you've kind of worked up the ranks and you're in the position, you you get to be the editor. Right. And so people might have a lot of ideas and stuff, and you're like, that's cool, and I like that, and, um, but I would do it like this. Right. Right. That's a a good way to put it. Editing. Yeah. It is. It's true. I always, um... I was encouraged to remember my creative ideas, write them down maybe for that one day that I might be a chef, yes. but to remember that I wasn't the chef at the time. <laughs> In a very nice way, my chef said to me, you know, someday you'll find your style. Right now, this is my style, and you have Absolutely. to emulate that. But do you guys remember, like I remember being a young chef and looking um, and talking to my pastry chef at a restaurant called Moss's back in the early 90s in San Francisco. And um, and I was so excited about dessert and I just wanted to say like, oh, we should be doing this. And um, and I have to like sit there and edit myself or censor myself. 
and be like totally not the wrong place right not the right place for this right now yeah and um well you're a rare breed i have to take a quick break uh, i'm being told to take a quick break so we can all take a sip of our bloody marys <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back with more of this amazing conversation cool by herself in a mother's summer dress oh kid she doesn't need your help she studied art in spain tall boys across her brain it's all boys men they'll do anything hi i'm steve jenkins from fairway markets i've devoted my idiot career to the old ways the old recipes the old tools the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries and i've strived to make these wonderful things available to new yorkers for 37 years so it's a fait accompli for us to support heritage radio network and i hope you will too and i hope you'll keep tuning in for more information please visit fairwaymarket.com Strikes up a song Oh kid, they're playing it all night long And she takes you by the hand Cause she's young but understands The tall dreams inside every man And I bet she's out there still Tapping at your window sill She'll keep you up all night Just go Welcome back to the morning after <laughs> I'd like to introduce um, <laughs> my other guests who have been a little bit quiet here. Uh, you know, us women can be overwhelming. Uh, Rick Mast, and please, for my sake, Chef, introduce yourself and say your name properly because I won't be able to. Okay, my name is Vesa Parviainen. That's my name. <laughs> and tell us where you're from. And I was just talking to you before we came on the show about how long you've been here. Came in New York uh, in October. From? Uh, from Finland, Helsinki. Welcome. Thank Everybody's you, coming yeah. to New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is great. Welcome, welcome. And so you tell us exactly what you're doing with Rick and uh, Michael. I'm working for the pastry department at Mass, Mass Brothers Chocolate. Nice. So basically we have our uh, retail shop. We're selling a lot of pastries, truffles and cakes and stuff like that. So I'm... Uh, you brought, you brought me that. some sweets yeah. today. <laughs> oh my God, you have some no... Truffles and I'm a huge chocolate fan. You want to just tell me what you have here and we can talk a little bit about your truffles? Oh, those are hand-rolled truffles. With, uh, one is with almonds and sea salt. One is with uh, roasted hazelnuts. And one is with um, cocoa nibs. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now you're kind of expanding a little bit. No, so Rick, yeah. um, I'm in awe of what you guys are doing, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, for the people who are listening who don't know anything about these guys, it's a shame that you don't. <laughs> but we're going to tell you today. The Mass Brothers, uh, how long have you guys been in business now? Uh, it's been, I guess, almost six years. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. 
Um, they make bean to bar chocolate. Yes. Bean to bar chocolate is what yeah. we're going to say. But what you do is completely extraordinary. Yeah. yeah How thanks. you get your beans and what you do to it. So give us a give us a brief description. Yeah, well, uh, we, uh, my brother and I, we um, started kind of as hobbyists, kind of like how ho- people get into homebrewing beer. We started making chocolate out of our apartment and uh, uh, making it from scratch. So when we started realizing that people don't do that, that that's a very uncommon thing. In fact, nobody in New York was doing it. And, you know, we uh, decided to quit our day jobs. What were your day it. jobs? Yeah. That is actually on my list of yeah. questions. Yeah, my, I, was a sh- I was a cook. I was a chef. I was a line cook. Really? Well, yeah. yeah. Where? Uh, Do you want to talk about that? Sure, yeah. I, well, I, did, I was just uh, talking about how I did my uh, stage, my first stage at Gramercy. Um, and uh, I worked at uh, the Soho House um, on the line there for a while. And uh, even worked, I worked at Jacques Torres, for, worked for Jacques Torres for a while. So, um, yeah, I worked all around. I worked, I would go um, in the summertime, I'd work at the Outermost Inn under Dan Sauer, who's literally one of my favorite chefs of all time. Wow. He, he uh, was running the kitchen there at the time at Outermost Inn. It's the best chef job of all time. We would, you know, prepping all day. I would go out in the uh, fields of this house on a cliff overlooking a lighthouse in the ocean. Where is this? In Martha's Vineyard. Okay. And I would be picking picking butternut squash. Apply you know, for all, a job there. all this stuff. <laughs> I would just be like picking herbs and stuff like that throughout the day and then while I would be prepping I'd be looking at a lighthouse and oh. the waves crashing against yeah. rocks. It was this amazing. Is an oddly yeah. romantic cook experience. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always happen like it that. It never happens like and that. And was yeah. your brother <laughs> in the industry as well? No, my brother was um, He's the other side of the brain. Right. My brother uh, was, you know, an economics major in college. Ah. Worked in um, accounting for a bunch of film production companies okay. and and uh, stuff like that. But we were roommates here in New York, and I would come back with all of these ideas, whether it was making cheeses or make homebrewing beer, all of that kind of stuff. Kind of that we were kind of in that scene. What's still right. going on in Brooklyn back, you know, a while, maybe like eight or nine years ago, and. Uh, we really settled in on, on chocolate. So it, w- it wasn't just a, a, a love for sweets and pastries. Okay. It, was a, it was a love for how are things made that people don't know how they're made. That's right. really how it got started. That's a great yeah. answer because that was going to be my main question. Why chocolate? Yeah. You know, some people, mm-hmm. you know, would look back and say, okay, my great-grandfather's grandfather's, you know, cousin was yeah. a chocolatier mm-hmm. and this is how I got yeah. into it. But it doesn't always have to be that way. It can yeah. just be a curiosity about yeah. that product and then a love for it and a passion for it. And, and especially, I mean, chocolate is so fascinating. It's arguably the most popular food on earth, yet people aren't connected to it like they are their heirloom tomato or their grass-fed beef or their whatever. They, It's sort of, people are still content with buying a dollar uh, chocolate bar at the gas station. They're not, they're not, it's not the same frame of mind it's still a candy bar that you grew up with right and I think what I've watched Mm -hmm. a couple of things about you guys online I did my research but what I found very interesting is is what you kept saying was this is not a candy bar and I think what we grew up what I grew up with here chocolate was candy and it was a candy bar and it was sweet and it wasn't about chocolate chocolate to me was just something that was sweet and sugary and that was another flavor it was chocolate vanilla and strawberry you know like it wasn't a thing it wasn't a product and what I find so fascinating you can talk a little bit about it is first of all you get a lot of your beans from the Dominican Republic is that correct yeah Um, that you brought the product back to the farmer uh, you brought your finished chocolate back, back to, them. to the farmer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had an actual tear in my eye when I was watching this yeah. because that doesn't happen. Yeah, it really doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's uh, it's hopefully happening more more and more, and I think it will. You know, I think we bring a lot of. We've been fortunate to get a lot of um, in our efforts to educate the public about what we're doing. We've been really fortunate to get a lot of media attention, and so um, 
we're bringing, we're hoping to take advantage of that to uh, show people who is farming your chocolate bar. Right. You know? And that equals <laughs> yeah. people yeah. learning about, wait, there's something more to chocolate than this just yeah. thing wrapped up in, in foil yeah. and a package and yeah. and kisses or whatever. I'm not going to say brand names, but you know, it's yeah. just going to, that education I know it's extreme because a lot of people can't even grasp that. They've never even seen yeah. the cacao bean. They don't even know what that is or what, how it gets from, you know, bean to bar. Yeah. But so even just talking about it, I think. Yeah. I mean, everything we do, every step of the way, we seek to um, connect people to that process, to the right. farmers, really. And uh, which is, you know, the obvious things are minimal processing and, um, you know, hands on. You know, our chocolate is ready when it tastes good, you know. Uh, our chocolate is made with just um, beans and sugar. It's right. sort of what is commonly being known as the American craft chocolate way. If you if you go around the world to, by all means, what used to be known as the as the uh, sort of flagship locations for chocolate right. around the world, they're looking now to America to small American manufacturers to to teach them what um, American craft chocolate is. That's groundbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that yeah. <laughs> not a lot of European countries are looking to us to teach them. Things. Some of our, <laughs> especially some of our, about food culture. Some of our biggest you know. fans. We just got, we're fortunate enough to spend the day with Alendu. He came to our factory wow. and made chocolate with wow. us for a day and just said, you know, nobody's doing this in the world. Nobody mm-hmm. does this in France. Nobody, he goes, you guys are, are true artisans. You're true craftsmen. And, you, and uh, you know, the world is looking for you and companies like you to show us wow. how chocolate should be made. That must have been an incredibly yeah. rewarding day yeah, in yeah. your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, I mean, yeah. here's what happens, and this, I think, is why you guys are so interesting and amazing and everybody should support you, is you had this passion to do this thing. Yeah. And now you're sort of, whether you like it or not, the ambassador yeah. about this product, about more than just your product, about yeah. how chocolate gets made and, yeah. and being to bar. And I know maybe watching a couple of those videos about you guys, um, maybe your brother's not as into <laughs> <Yeah>. being... <laughs> he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that, yeah, you notice Vessa's here. He's a great... Vessa's yes. a good... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now <laughs> Chef, Chef Vessa yeah. is really... Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chef Vessa's lucky because he gets to make the product. Yeah. And this, unfortunately, now is going to even step you in a direction probably more of you talking about the product yeah yeah it's, i mean it's really great i mean first of all i mean my brother he's it's more an issue of him being shy yeah he's outrageously shy and <laughs> and uh you know we've done we, we were guest judges on iron chef and it was literally his most horrifying oh day my ever god. <laughs> oh my god and you were yeah. just judging for god's sake <laughs> that is the polar opposite yeah. of a scenario that he would want to yeah. be in yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah. my god <laughs> Wow, you got him back for a few things of childhood, didn't you? <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, I think that's what what probably is where you're at in, in, in a crossroads because you are now becoming an ambassador for this this yeah. artisanal product that you guys, first of all, you have to now continue to make it so well, yeah. which you do. Yeah. And now you're going to have chefs like Alain Ducasse saying thank you yeah. for what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a really incredible, we're really fortunate. And and to be honest, we embrace the ambassador role as much as possible without over making it sound so hardcore. But no, no. I mean, uh, I yeah, think... It's, we embrace it and we, are, we, we, want to, we want to be that because we, we feel like uh, we're inspiring every neighborhood, every town to have their own chocolate maker. Or it's also inspired people beyond chocolate, people to... That are, that are sick of their jobs that want right. to do with follow their passions I think that's a big thing that we've been able to inspire so uh, I'm all about it I cool. love that I noticed a place over I was just driving happened to be in Red Hook area yeah. the other day and there I saw a place that's making um, 
chocolate there. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, don't know what it's called. I forgot. It's yeah, like, it's called uh, Cacao Prieto. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you know uh, them? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're friends with them. And it's, mm-hmm. it's primarily, I think, a rum distillery. But they're also oh. they're also making chocolate there, too. So, again, there's, that's oh, a perfect example. It was a cool-looking spot. I was like, yeah. there's a cafe there. And then yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, what is this? Okay, yeah, yeah. chocolate's all, all over Brooklyn right now. Yeah. Well, I love that idea that you're saying, actually, now come to think of it, like... For every sort of small town and community to have their own chocolate maker. Yeah. Like I mean, you, it's t- you have your shoemaker, your yeah. cheese maker, your cheese maker, your, your butcher shop, your bread yeah. maker. Your, no, I mean, but can that you, makes sense. Can you imagine sense. living in a world? I mean, this is, this is again my sort of utopian idea about how life should be. But you walk down, you get your cut of meat that you want, then you go to your chocolate maker and you'd be like, oh, you know what? I really, I'm making this dessert. Could you, oh, the Peruvian? Okay, right. great. 74% great. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll take a quarter pound of that, you know, and then you're all set, wow. you know? Yeah. That <laughs> is yeah. some kind of utopia, seriously. I they think we all agree on that. <laughs> yeah. I, see a, I see a theme park coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, this is a double-sided question. I, I wanted to ask you, and I think this is hard for everybody, when you do well, would you expand? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it, uh, obviously you want to have a principled um, expansion. But um, we are opening a, a new location in uh, South Street Seaport. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, on Water Street just facing the... It's not... It's not re- quite ready right. yet, yeah. But uh, um, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to to educate people about what we're up to, and it's going to be uh, a re- it's it, we're not going to be manufacturing there. It's going to be a retail, retail. shop, okay. and then but it's a big space, so we're actually holding um, educational and community events there. So oh, we've wow. already done butcher classes. We've done we're going to do a history of ice cream class. We're going to do pasta making classes. We're going to have wow. dance parties. You can dance go there party. and hang out and drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a very much a kind of like a uh, kind of like the way our crew calls it a foodler hang space. So. Foodler hang space. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Chef Asa, are you going to bring a little Finnish flair to oh, that? that be a Finnish tango lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> all right, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back and talk to Nancy a little bit more about all of this and we're going to wrap it up. <laughs>
Welcome back to the morning after here. We have so much to talk about. There was just, I was just looking at the clock and it's like, we need to extend this show for another hour. Um, so this is going to be a question between Rick and Nancy and Chef Besa. And of course, Elizabeth, you understand all this. Are you selling wholesale to restaurants? Yeah. Chocolate. Yep, we sell wholesale. Uh, we that's actually a, a big growing part of our business and a big thing. We've we're uh, you know we work with Thomas Keller's places. We work with okay. you know, all the way to Fat Duck and everywhere. oh, you do. But I was going to ask you if you sold yeah. outside of the country. Yeah, yeah. And- mm-hmm. But also uh, tons of local Brooklyn places. With, you know, Marlowe and Diner and Frankie's and right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, I saw it at Shake Shack too. Shake Shack, yeah, yeah. That's what I yeah. was going to ask Nancy. I mean, yeah, I saw Mark, the uh, GM of Shake Shack, here. He's partying in the backyard right now. <laughs> there is a disco party going on here today. I think it's the, is it forget about it or fudge about yeah, it? I don't know. know. Something, I don't know how to something, say it. Yeah, yeah. I ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nancy has a pastry chef. Obviously, you've worked with tons of chocolates. Yeah. Um, and that may or may not be your favorite ingredient. I don't know. I know a couple of pastry yeah. chefs that are not. In it's hard with. to pick a favorite, especially yeah. being right by the market. There's yeah. so many great fruits. But in the, in the in the winter, chocolate can just take a step up. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, again, about purchasing. Obviously, you've you've eaten their chocolate. Do you work with it in the restaurant, or do you use it? I mean, you don't have to tell us what brand you use, but it's an it's another choice thing. It's like how do you choose what you use. Right. Um, so we use quite a few different chocolates at Gramercy. Right now, we aren't using Mass Brothers. Right. Um, it, definitely now that I'm on the spot, we're gonna we should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> put you on the spot. No, but I just ate one of those truffles and it was ridiculously good. So um, not never mind, just on the spot. But um, I feel like, and I don't know where you're at on this, Rick. But I've worked with a couple other companies who've sort of started getting uh, started on chocolates, and it takes a while to get into a groove and find something that's going to be consistent on on what the cocoa butter is going to be and the cocoa salads yeah. are going to be. So yeah. that way, I mean, the scale that I'm working at, I need to have something that's really consistent that I can work with and teach 12 other people to work yeah. with. Right. I can't just keep, ch- I mean, I could keep changing things, but I think I might lose my mind. I mean, so. I, think that's the, I think that's the big uh, the big transition that I think that a lot of restaurants will have to make, pastry chefs will have to make with craft chocolate, which is this beans and bean, bean and sugar recipe. Right. And that's that there is no cocoa butter added, which is traditionally that defines couverture, right? You, you have right. extra cocoa butter for ease of use right um so uh and you'd have to yeah. add that to your recipes then absolutely i mean yeah. depending on what we did with it i know yeah. i've just found that um some of these really great bean to bar ones are really high on um chocolate solids cocoa True. solids in them yep. and it just changes if i make a ganache how much right. cream i'm going to have to add to it so that yeah. it's a silky smooth one and it just takes a, a little bit more work on my end really yeah, no, I understand that because uh, as that chef that comes running in after finding something like this to my pastry chef, Colleen Graves, that would bless your heart, who I used to torture all the time, I'd be like, let's use this. And she'd be like, okay, chef. <laughs> you know, and then she'd make her chocolate cake and it would be like this seized up mound yeah. of what's supposed to be a cake and it would be fudge. And she's like, right. this is what you wanted. That's also the that's also the huge part about uh, Vessa's job as executive pastry chef for us. He's also working with all of the pastry chefs. He provides a service to help use the more temperamental chocolate that, um, you know, we like to say that our chocolate may be more difficult to use, but it's worth it. You know, like all things that yeah. are more difficult, yeah. it's right. it's the, it pays dividends. That so, was going to uh, be yeah. my other question now, Chef Face. Are you going to go into the restaurants that are buying the chocolate and work with them? Or are you going to taste with them? How are you going to do that? Yeah, we, we've done a few times. I went there work with the chefs and um, did, and told them how to use it, uh-huh. share some recipes, but also 
also they came to the factory see how uh, right. see the factory and see how the chocolate is actually made and that way they can uh, also share uh, share some thoughts of chocolate and how I use it there work with the recipes and that kind of thing in our factory we have a he's, he's in charge of the uh, this large test kitchen where we're every day we're constantly testing new recipes new ways to use the chocolate Wow and, yeah and in fact I think that uh, because American craft style chocolate is more difficult to use um, we're putting out a cookbook that will come out next year that really just gives straightforward recipes wow. of kind of revisits American classics that will that will show you how to integrate you know great american chocolate that's into your so basic really cool. yeah. that's really yeah. useful and i was just going to ask you guys about that so you have this cookbook coming out yeah not for a, not till next fall but you're yeah. working on it i have elizabeth's cookbook in my yeah. hands right now cooking off the clock nice. hot off the press i'm so excited and nancy now you have a few under your belt or are you working on one no, right now we're working on one right now it should be out in august or september of next year a gramercy tavern cookbook we're really excited <gasps> wow. about it cool. and, uh, gramercy tavern will be 19 years old when that comes out and it'll be our yeah. first one so <laughs> wow really excited yeah. Well, I would imagine yeah. that in that book in particular, that more than 30% is going to be pastry. Well, there's going to be a pretty good amount of pastry in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think your department deserves a lot of attention because I, well, thank you. I remember my experiences there and I always remember that beautiful lengthy finish to the meal. You know, that the way the sweets start to come and the way that they finish. And it it's an unforgettable part of that meal, and it's always a very important part of that meal and that experience there. And I have to thank you for that and your integrity on that. Well, thank you. I mean, I was lucky I got to come in. Gramercy Tavern has an incredible history of desserts, yeah. you know, with Claudia Fleming being there. I just got to sort of, like, pick it up and carry it and just hope to maintain it. <laughs> Make it my own maybe a little bit, but yeah. Now, just give us a little insider, and this will be my last, oh. you know, <laughs> push the button. Now, Union Square Hospitality Group seems very buttoned up. You know, Danny Meyer is the, the standard of restaurants. What, what are the company parties like? Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been to some of their parties. Yeah, they might get a lot of control. I mean, Eleven Madison's won a couple of awards. Yeah, those are definitely out of control. <laughs> Listen, it's usually me that gets the really bad photographs taken, so I don't, uh-huh. I don't want to rent my own self out. <laughs> I just still have a job there. But what, I mean, I think what the, the bar is and the standard that uh, other restaurateurs are trying to live up to is how well... Uh, the employees are treated there. Absolutely, uh, that that makes it an amazing place to work. It right. really, really does. It's a Gramercy Tavern is a great big family. I mean, there's about 180 people who work there. Wow! So it's a really big family, but it, everybody really looks out for each other, and it, you know, it just seems like. It seems like I'm spouting off something from a Danny book when I say no, it, but I'm really I'm not. Asking. It really comes out of. Yeah. It really comes out of. Uh, I think everybody's hearts. That it really we take care of each other, and not just within each restaurant, but from restaurant to restaurant. You know that the pastry chefs will get together and we'll try and support each other. Like, hey, what kind of things are you running into? Right. Management wise, produce wise, recipe testing wise, and just. You know, and when when our cooks are ready for, for the next step, right. whether it's a sous chef position or a chef position, we're all there to support them. And I mean, I think the industry as a whole is a big family. Right. So it, we're just one small part of that bigger industry family. Right. Some families are more dysfunctional than others. Right. We, we hope <laughs> that you know we're trying to function. Well, it is a restaurant environment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what we're talking yeah. about here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you know, just in, in wrapping up, I mean, I think that we all represent something that's. 
sort of new and on the forefront, but then at the same time, you know, representing old school and, and how to keep it going, how to keep the integrity. And it, it's sort of that back and forth always in our industry. And, you know, Rick and Chef Vesa and Mike, I mean, you guys are sort of almost bringing it back and bringing it to the forefront of using artisanal products and how to make them. You know, Nancy, what goes on at the Union Square uh, Hospitality Group, Gramercy Tavern, what you do, and the, t- the people that you work with, your team every day, is, is like a standard that I think everybody who even is entering the culinary industry needs to look at mm. you know and and I think Elizabeth I mean I think your story is unbelievable because it's it's a can do anything story you know you can do anything you want if you're passionate about it west coast check that off the list east coast Brooklyn here I come pizza pastry I can do it all awesome. bring it on you know and I, I mean I, and I, I'm not somebody that runs around carrying an American flag but I feel like it, right. we're lucky because in America you actually can do all this stuff and that's yeah. pretty unique and we get to talk about it and yeah. now I mean we get to educate about it and I think that's sort of what becomes our role now educators I mean mm. we're not just these young crazy cooks who have ideas and we don't know what to do with them we're the the ones who have to sort of rein that in and decide where is this all going to go in yeah. our industry so I think it's all we're all really important people in this room <laughs> and we all drink okay. Modelo <laughs> Modelo tall boys just to clarify <laughs> so I'm just going to say a big thank you to Jason Colucci Jesse, who I love, who makes this whole thing run, and um, all my guests, Elizabeth, Nancy, Chef Besa, Rick, thank you all for b- being here. Thank you for bringing me chocolate. Yeah, no oh worries. Oh my gosh. And uh, just thank you for, for keeping it up, what you guys do. I, it's a hard industry. It's a tough game, and um, it's worth it. And I thank everybody for being here today. Yay! Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Disco party! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> And go nuts this fall. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.